What's happening, guys? Pete Mundo, HeartlandCollegeSports.com. Thanks for listening to this week's radio show. It airs in four Big 12 states. We turn it into a podcast. And be sure, before we get going, to join me now at BetNow.eu. It's where I'm placing my Big 12 bets this fall. They currently have a 100% sign-up bonus. All you have to do is use the promo code HEARTLAND. That means every dollar you deposit will be matched. It's simple to join, deposit, and cash out. So join me now. Place those Big 12 bets at betnow.eu and use the promo code HEARTLAND. And as always, rate, review, subscribe, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play. Send me a screenshot of your review to Pete Mundo at heartlandcollegesports.com, and I will get you a free Heartland College Sports koozie in the mail. It is super easy. Appreciate it, guys. We'll talk soon. Third and goal at the three, and Iowa State moved at the snap. Skyler Thompson to the goal line. Touchdown. I can feel it coming on now as the music plays. Taking shots with the night out. He's at the Baylor 35, the 30, the 25, the 20. It's a foot race to the 10, to the 5, into the end zone. He goes again. David Sills with a 53-yard touchdown reception. We're going all night long, everybody And the Cyclones win it. They have knocked off the number four TCU Hard Frogs. This is not some mirage. When the sun goes just kept trying to catch him, and he just kept running away from him. It's 81 yards from McCluskey on the grab. Locked it down the middle for Rodney. It's caught at the 10, to the 5, into the end zone. It's a touchdown! Well, you really start to get that sense that college football is back when the AP poll is released, and that's what happened earlier this week. Pete Mundo, Heartland College Sports Weekly. Appreciate you being a part of the show and joining us here. And I'll tell you what, I mean, between the radio show that we're doing that's airing in four of the five Big 12 states, still looking for that first Iowa affiliate. Let's find us an Iowa affiliate. And then we turn the show into a podcast. We are getting so much traction on the audio side. We appreciate you downloading it. If you listen on iTunes, we appreciate you listening on the radio, everything in between. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Because we are really looking forward to an awesome uh, Big 12 football season. So, If you are new to the show, I run heartlandcollegesports.com, a Big 12 digital media outlet. I used to work in Woodward, Oklahoma. Then I was in New York City for Sports Illustrated, Fox, CBS, and others. And now I'm hosting a morning show in Kansas City, and it's great to be back in uh, in Big 12 country. It's fantastic. Going to be at more games this year, more tailgates. It's going to be a whole lot of fun. So the AP poll gets released earlier this season. And let me just say this before we get into the Big 12 teams. A lot more complaints than usual from the guy that says there's no point in putting out preseason rankings. It's always going to be Alabama. It's always going to be whatever, Clemson, Georgia, all these other things. We should wait until week eight to do rankings. What the hell is the point of that? There is zero point. And you say, well, that would be a better, more effective way to go about it. You know, this is all just fun and games right now. Yeah, no kidding. It's fun and games. It's college football, man. Take it easy. I mean, we're just having fun here. Yes, of course, there's a lot on the line. I get it. There's money at stake in championships. But in the end, it's all going to work out. If your team is worthy of being in a championship game, guess what? They got to win their games to get there. 
And it's all going to work out in the end. I promise you. I mean, the anti-preseason poll guys that get off my lawn guy. It's like, easy up, buddy. Relax. Take a chill pill. The best teams are going to be there in the end. You think Alabama is simply getting to the college football playoff and winning national championships because of their preseason ranking? No. And I can't stand the SEC. You know that. I rip the SEC every chance I get. But I'm not going to sit here and say that it's the fault of a preseason ranking that Alabama has had the amount of success that it's had. I mean, relax. It's okay. So for the Big 12, OU was the highest-ranked team at 7th. Surprised? Not in the least. I figured OU would be in that 5, 6, 7, 8 range, somewhere in there, and that's where the voters would put them in. And you have, once again, just like the coaches poll, a major drop-off after that in Big 12 teams down in TCU at number 16. Now, it shows the respect and depth that voters have for Gary Patterson in this program, that he loses, what, 20-plus seniors, and the guy still is picked 16th in the country and second in the Big 12. That's an incredible, absolutely incredible testament to what Gary Patterson is building and has built in Fort Worth. West Virginia is at 17, right behind TCU. And for the Mountaineers, you know, I I love this Mountaineers team, and I'll get more into why and my bold predictions coming up here in just a little bit. But, man, this is going to be an uh, incredible offense. There's, I believe, enough there on defense. Yeah, they're going to win a lot of 45 to 35 games. But guess what? A win's a win, is it not? I mean, that's what it's all about. It's, it's not about, is 45-35 less effective than 13-10? I don't think it is. Not at all. And the fourth and last Big 12 team ranked in the preseason top 25, none other than the Texas Longhorns at number 23. And I just don't get it. You know, I've said it time and time again. I want Texas to be good. I want Texas to be back, as the kids like to say. But, geez, when are we going to stop putting Texas in preseason rankings when they have done nothing to earn that right? Is it just a list of who's got the most five and four and five star recruits? Is that what this is about? Or is this about predicting a preseason top 25? Now, the anti preseason poll guy might use Texas as a prime example. Here's the thing Texas, if they're not any good or if they're mediocre like recent seasons, they'll be out of the top 25 by the end of September, and that'll be it. It's not a big deal. But I just don't get the voter who continues to put Texas in the top 25 in the preseason unwarranted. Same thing with LSU at 25. It's like, what are we doing here, guys? Ed Orgeron has done nothing to prove that he's going to have a top 25 team or is a top 25 coach. Tom Herman, I believe, is a top 25 coach and I believe is somebody who can turn around this program. I just think they're still one year away. I think you'll see a Texas team that wins eight or nine games. Do I think it's a 10-11 Big 12 championship type season? No, I don't. Not in any way, shape, or form. But just like last year, Texas was in that same spot last year. Top 25, barely making it. Tom Herman, Texas is back. A lot of talent. And they go 6-6 six and six and win a bowl game. It's, it's, that's what they've been. That's just what they've been. I would have replaced Texas with Iowa State there at 23 if I could pick one Big 12 team. I also believe you could have a team like uh, Oklahoma State in the top 25 by season's end. I know they got their question marks at quarterback and um, some new faces at wide receiver and whatnot that people might not know about. But, you know, with Jim Knowles on the defensive side, who I continue to like more and more 
every time I read about him and hear him and the whole thing, Mike Gundy has a way of winning those nine, 10 games a year. He does. I think it's probably a nine win season for Oklahoma state, but he has a way of doing it. And whether it's Spencer Sanders or Drew Brown or whoever it might be, Cornelius, Oklahoma state's going to score its points. Can it stop somebody? That's been the question for the past three years. And that's why Glenn Spencer is gone, but I could easily see Oklahoma state finding itself in that top 25 by season's end. And of course, Iowa state, I believe is going to be in the mix as well. I wrote about it earlier this week. Iowa State's got the best defensive line in the Big 12, bar none. I mean, Texas fans got ticked off at me over it. But I wouldn't change my stance for a second over that. There's no way I would do that. No, I'm sorry. I mean, this is a fantastic Iowa State defensive line. It's got a ton of quality on it with guys like Jaquan Bailey and Ray Lima, and it's got a ton of depth to it as well. Can we not forget Camilo Tangamoa? He was a stud Juco player. He arrived late last season, didn't see much playing time. This is a four-star recruit. He had offers from Texas, Oklahoma State, Oregon, and no one talks about him because he's possibly not a starter, but he's a big-time player at 6'5", 3'10". So I just look at these def- the defensive line and the entire defense, and Iowa State's is the best in the conference. And now you have Kyle Kemp finally getting a chance with a full offseason with the number ones, learning the system. David Montgomery, a good offensive line, a, a stud wide receiver in Akeem Bailey to replace Alan Lazard. I, there is so much to like about Iowa State. I think a lot of people are just sleeping on this team a little bit foolishly. I really do. So there is your top 25. Four Big 12 teams make it. Oklahoma, TCU, West Virginia, and Texas. And... You know, I'm just wondering where some of these teams are in the Big 12. I didn't even mention Kansas State, who Kansas State's probably a year away. You look at this roster, a lot of these guys that are um, juniors and sophomores, of course, one more year in the system in the program, going to be much better off next season. And also a player like Hunter Risen at wide receiver, the Michigan State transfer is going to be eligible to play next year with quarterbacks Thompson and uh, Delton one year older. That's when you really look out and say, holy cow, this, this 2019 season has a ton of potential for what the Kansas State Wildcats are trying to put together and what they're looking to do. Might be a year ahead of schedule this year, but it's all about 2019, especially when you consider a guy like Hunter Risen, who would desperately help a wide receiver core right now. I mean, can they get Hunter Risen in the game this year, can they sneak him in under a different number under an alias? Because they desperately need him. They they really do. It's 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 time. Pete Mundo, Heartland College Sports Weekly. Also, uh, the Texas Longhorns, speaking of them, they decide to go with Sam Ellinger, week one against Maryland. Not a shocker at all. And Ellinger's a guy who I expected to get the nod over Shane Bouchelle. The question now is, does Bouchelle transfer? He's going to be a junior. I don't know what his grade situation is like, if he can you know, bang out a bunch of classes these next two semesters next summer and be a grad transfer eligible immediately to play quarterback somewhere else's senior season. I don't know. But I do know this. If Texas is going to continue to use Sam Ellinger just like they did last season under Tim Beck, who was at times horrific as an offensive coordinator, then Shane Bouchelle is going to see a lot of playing time because that offense and what Tim Beck ran beat the hell out of Ellinger, and it wasn't fair to him, 
It was not fair to the offense, and there's a reason that Herb Hand is there as a co-offensive coordinator, and who knows who's going to be calling the plays week one against the Terps. I don't know. But I know this. You cannot run the system that you had last year where Ellinger's running 20 times a game, and he's not running 20 times a game like Lamar Jackson, where he's cutting outside and running out of bounds after five, six, seven, eight yards. You had him running between the tackles. Are you trying to get the poor kid killed? Is that what the Texas Longhorns are trying to do? If so, Shane Bouchelle better hang tight because he'll be starting week two. I mean, he'll be, he'll be uh, in the game against Tulsa. Jeez, and then we'll see him against USC the following week because Ellinger is going to go through so many concussion protocols, he's not going to know left from right. So I am fascinated to see what Texas does with this offense, how it plays itself out, because my, oh my, there is just so much that can go right, but that also at the same time can go wrong for this Texas Longhorns team. And it's going to be fun to watch. Is this the year they turn the corner? I think it's 2019. I think that's ultimately the year that Tom Herman's going to have a lot of pressure to win based on this current recruiting class he just brought in. A lot of true freshmen, they're going to play. What's it going to be like? Well, we'll find out here just uh, just a week from now. Cannot wait. Pete Mundo, Heartland College Sports Weekly. So I wrote about it. I want to share it with you, explain it. My five bold Big 12 predictions for the upcoming season. We'll get to it next here on Heartland College Sports Weekly. All right, guys, don't forget betnow.eu. That's where I'm placing my Big 12 bets. And if you use the promo code HEARTLAND, you get a 100% sign-up bonus, meaning every dollar you deposit will be matched. It's simple to join, deposit, and cash out. Join me, place those Big 12 bets at betnow.eu, promo code HEARTLAND. So let's dive into some bold Big 12 predictions. Pete Mundo, Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of HeartlandCollegeSports.com. Thanks so much for joining us, whether it's through radio, podcast, whatever it might be. We appreciate you uh, being a part of the show. So what about this earlier this week, and I want to share it with you in case you missed it and kind of expand on some of my thought processes behind uh, the bold Big 12 predictions I have for the upcoming season, why I went there, and all that good stuff. So... First and foremost, this might not be a hot take per se, and I don't, I don't uh, want to be Skip Bayless. I mean, I'd rather be forced to sit through an SEC football game for 14 straight weekends than be compared to a guy like Skip Bayless. But first off, I don't think any Big 12 team goes undefeated through conference play. No doubt in my mind, it's going to be a one-loss champion, maybe a two-loss champion for the first time in a while. I'm telling you, you look at the facts – since the Big 12 had 10 teams, which was 2011, there's been just one team in the past seven years to go through conference play undefeated. That was the 2016 Oklahoma Sooners. And Baker Mayfield's gone. Yes, Oklahoma's still the favorite. They got a ton of talent and a ton of ability. But guess what else? The gap, I believe, is closer than it's ever been between Oklahoma and the rest of the pack since pre-Baker Mayfield. And not only that, but the rest of the pack, if you want to say OU is the top team in the conference, that's fine. But man, two through nine, you can argue, can beat the Sooners on any given day. Sorry, Kansas, but two through nine, you can argue if things break right for any of these teams, 
from West Virginia, Oklahoma State, and Iowa State down to Baylor and Texas Tech. If it clicks right, anybody can beat anybody in this conference, which I think is going to make for an absolutely fantastic fall over the next three, four months. Um, also on this list, I have West Virginia 7-0 heading into its bye week. Sounds crazy? Hear me out. Tennessee and NC State, I, first off, kudos to West Virginia for scheduling two legit Power 5 opponents in non-conference play. I know Dana Holgerson maybe isn't a huge fan of it, but I'll tell you what, props to him. And they get Tennessee when they're down under new head coach Jeremy Pruitt, kind of rebuilding that whole situation, that whole deal. NC State lost a lot of talent, especially on the defensive line from last season. So decent programs, but West Virginia should, should win these games. Then you have K-State. That's a tough game. Look at recent years. West Virginia and K-State have played like one, two, three-point games what, five of the past six years? I don't know what the official number is, but every year it feels like these two teams played it within a field goal. So that that does worry me, but it's in Morgantown. Then you get Texas Tech and Kansas, two teams that should be near the bottom of the Big 12 Conference. So right there, 6-0 and for West Virginia. You wrap up that first half of the season with the toughest game yet, in Ames against Iowa State. That's not going to be easy. Because those are two teams I believe could have a chance to play in the Big 12 championship game. But if West Virginia wins that game and is 7-0, watch out for the Mountaineers. They'll be a top 10 team by late October. And then the back half of the schedule is tough. They close out TCU at Oklahoma State against Oklahoma. It's not easy. But if there's ever a year that Dana Holgerson's going to put it together, it's got to be with um, a Heisman contender at quarterback and absolute stud wide receivers and hopefully a defense that can just be good enough. And if there's ever a year, this is it. I know West Virginia fans are going to sit there and be skeptical, and I understand. And, you know, maybe they go 7-0, and and then the second half of the season they go like, you know, 1-4 or something crazy like that. But I, I really do like this team this fall. There's a lot that I like about it. Charlie Brewer is going to be second in the Big 12 in passing yards behind Will Greer. And this is just as much about Charlie Brewer as it is about what's going on in the rest of the conference. You go up and down the list, right? All right, Kansas, forget it. Um, Kansas State, they're going to run the ball and probably split reps between Delton and Thompson for at least a couple of weeks. Iowa State... Kyle Kemp's good, but are they going to be slinging it around with him? I find that highly unlikely. they got a good running game. Oklahoma State, I think, takes a step back, and they have a strong running game they should be relying on this fall as well. TCU working in Sean Robinson, a dual-threat guy. Robinson's much more comfortable running the ball than he is passing the ball, it seems, so I don't expect him to put up big passing numbers. Sam Ellinger, same deal there. They're going to run him, hopefully not as much as last season like we talked about, but he's going to get his carries. And is he even going to stay healthy based on what they're going to do with him? Texas Tech. Who's the quarterback? Is it McLean Carter? Is he even that good? Is it Jet Duffy, Alan Bowman? I don't know what's going on there in Lubbock. I know that Cliff Kingsbury is going to throw the ball, but we saw Cliff Kingsbury last fall put much more of an emphasis on his running game than he had in previous seasons. 
So they try to run the ball more, especially with some question marks at the quarterback position. I just think it sets up beautifully for Charlie Brewer, who I really love. I think he got so much quality experience last fall that's going to pay off in a big way this fall. And he's got talent at the wide receiver position. Not only Denzel Mims, but the list goes on from guys that got banged up last year. And then don't forget about Tennessee transfer Jalen Hurd. There's a lot to like about the skill position players. Now, can the offensive line keep them upright? That's really my biggest concern. That's it. Two other uh, Big 12 bold predictions for you here heading into the fall. A Big 12 coach does not finish the season with the program. Which one? Well, I'll let you try to figure that out on your own. I, there's a couple of options. We know that. But it's not because of what might happen at those programs. It's because of the new early signing period in college football. And it's so important in the early signing period to make sure recruits know what's going on within your program. With that December signing period, you know, you don't have the luxury of waiting till the season ends, making an assessment, firing your guy or hiring your guy or whatever it might be. You got to make a move. If you fire a guy in October, you can start your search and move on. And recruits can know what's going on. So if things get off to a slow start in a couple of places in the Big 12, well, I think then you could have some moves being made in the middle of the season. Wouldn't shock me one bit. And for a second straight season, eight Big 12 teams are bowl eligible. They had 80% of their teams bowl eligible last season. I see that trend continuing because of the depth and the uh, just condensed nature of this conference. Just go down the list. OU, West Virginia, TCU, Iowa State, Texas, Oklahoma State, and Kansas State. That's seven right there. I think get bowl eligibility with relative ease. That leaves three teams, Baylor, Texas Tech, and Kansas. Can one of those teams be bowl eligible? I don't see why not. Just one of them. One of them's got to get to six wins. With the way the schedules are shaking out, I'd lean to Baylor being the one, but... Hey, we'll see. That's uh, that's why they play the games. You know what I'm saying? That's what it's all about. Pete Mundo, Heartland College Sports Weekly. We appreciate you being a part of the show and joining us this week. And once again, rate, review, subscribe, iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. Share the podcast. We are getting so many downloads every month, more and more every month by the thousands because of you. And if you rate, review, subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Play, email me a screenshot of your review, and I'll send you a free Heartland College Sports koozie. My email, Pete Mundo at heartlandcollegesports.com. Thanks so much, guys. We'll talk to you soon.